0: You know, it's that time of year again where all the bugs are starting to come out, I and hate it's bugs. totally grossing me out. And we have such an issue with spiders. You know, I just—I don't know. I just don't want to kill them. So, well, I get there. There's, I'm in
1: the living room somewhere, and I get the call from you saying, "Hey, there's a spider, or whatever." Why is that my job?
0: I don't know. I—we've I, been talking about this. I don't—I don't know. And it's funny because I even wanted to like teach my sons how to kill bugs. For their wives, or and for
1: you, you want an extra support. <laughs> yeah, and I
0: definitely. Well, I mean, Jen,
1: you've got like you've got like a dozen pairs of flip flops. You know, just just mm-hmm. using a flip flop and just taking it out. I, I mean, know, it's...
0: and I do it by myself just fine when y'all aren't around. But if we're but when sons or husbands happen to be in the vicinity of a bug,
1: that is a husband job. It's Charles duty. Well, I think it's funny. Jerry Seinfeld has an old joke where he says that, you know, I can't believe that a woman can take wax and put it on her hair, on her skin, and then tear it out, pulling mm-hmm. out all her hair. <laughs> by the roots, and yet still be afraid of a spider. Right. That just doesn't make sense to yeah, me. Yeah,
0: I know. It's just a, it's a guts. And-
1: so that's my, my my toxic masculinity steps in and I have to kill spiders, which yeah. is fine. I'll do that happily. Yeah. Well, Welcome everybody to the Imperfect and Normal Families Only podcast. If you can relate to that kind of stuff in your family, then you're in the right place. Welcome to, I think our episode 10, gentlemen counting, and this is our 10th episode of doing this here thing. So
0: Good. It's going We're- along. Clipping along.
1: And we love when people share and spread and talk about it online. And so Mm -hmm. if you are a fan and you've been listening and you think this stuff's fun or worthwhile, please stick it on Facebook or tell somebody about it. We love it when our uh, fans... Spread the word.
0: Yeah, it's such a blessing.
1: And when we encounter people, listen, that's always fun too. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, how do you know if this is the right podcast? This is always fun, Jen. I'll, I'll review uh, some of our possibilities. Here's one question to ask if this is the right podcast for you. Um, if you're family and you've taught your kids even uh, to be experts at sneaking candy, uh, even beverages into the movie theater, <laughs> then this podcast is for you. Is that an ethical thing? Is that a good? Drew tells us, my son tells us that really they don't stop you. I mean, they don't. Yeah. They prefer that you buy their stuff, but it's not like it's against the rules or anything. Yeah.
0: Listen, with five kids, we could hardly afford to go to the movies, much less buy snacks. So it was always. Yeah, I always
1: liked it when there was a big crowd. Carry your big four or five of us. We'll go ahead and drop that nine bucks on the jumbo popcorn, then bring individual bags and share it around. That yes. was always economical. Yes. That uh, our
0: poor kids are going to be in therapy over stuff like that. This might be a podcast for you if you have signed up your kids for more than one Vacation Bible School during the summer. Um, we may or may not have done that with. I think that's just like camp.
1: You know, it's camp opportunities. You know, this church is great, and that's is... when you get in trouble is when kids are saying, "You know what? I know all the answers because it's the same <laughs> curriculum they used at First Baptist Church is what they're using at this I wonder Baptist if Church." That's or... ever happened? Oh, I'm sure. It I feel has.
0: like they're always different, but anyway, yeah, not... we may have done that.
1: This could be the podcast for you if you've done that. And summertime's coming, so look at the calendar around you. Uh, third thing that, uh, that comes to mind: you might be a podcast for you if you can relate to this clip that we heard by the comedian Sin. And Sinbad. Sinbad's coming off the radar, but he's got a, uh, some, some new stuff online about marriage, and this is hilarious. He apparently has been married for, well, he tells the stories. So listen to what Sinbad has to say about marriage.
0: My wife and I, we we're together about six, seven years. We we're married. We divorced for 10, 11 years. Now we're back together, married eight years. Because <laughs> we're both so damaged, we can't be with nobody else. We had to come back home. Once you've been married to each other, you're trained. I'm trained. I ain't got time to train nobody else. She ain't got time to train nobody else. Everybody's jacked up. Go back to when you your hair. I thought you was crazy. Everybody crazy. I know you're crazy. I can deal with your crazy.
1: Jen, can you relate to that? Do you, do you, do you <laughs> ever consider how hard it would be to train a new one of me? Oh, my word.
0: I do not ever, ever want to remarry. I don't care. I've got one man, and that's all I... Can handle. <laughs> we got our own I don't junk.
1: We've gotten used to our ever junk. Ever
0: start over again?
1: Exactly. Who wants new junk to go along the way? That is too much of a difficult thing. So anyway, well, we're glad you're here today. Our kind of main theme topic we'll get into in just a little bit is all about building guardrails in your marriage. Why you need them, uh, mm-hmm. how to build them, uh, why they're important. Uh, maybe not if marriage is awesome, but there'll be seasons when marriage is hard, and that's when they're important to uh, have them built in as kind of natural habits. So today, that's our topic. But first, let's talk about what's in the news. All right, so this isn't like brand new, cutting-edge news. It's from a few weeks old, but Netflix recently released Beyoncé's Homecoming. It's a two-hour show that was her concert from Coachella from last summer, I believe. And uh, we watched this its entirety just to see the spectacle that it was. And we were certainly amazed by uh, Beyonce's performance.
0: Man, (laughs) we couldn't help but just absolutely um, be flabbergasted at the words to her songs. Yes, her
1: content. We don't really know a lot of Beyonce music, honestly. I can only think of a couple songs. Yeah.
0: I had no clue.
1: She's pretty uh, abrasive. There's some there's some colorful, explicit lyrics. I can't
0: imagine her kids listening to that music and hearing all those bad words and everything. But it was kind of funny when it came to her Lemonade songs from her album that talk about very clearly and very distinctly about her husband's infidelity.
1: Wouldn't well, would be awesome if you had a music artist you know, as a spouse and you had a horrible infidelity and your spouse wrote a whole album about your infidelity. That's kind yeah, of what happened to you. I
0: would think that that's really good um, encouragement to not go off the rails. Um, one of the lines in her song was, uh, this is your final warning. You know I give you life. If you try this... Blank. See, I can't even say the word. If you do this again...
1: You're going to lose your wife. That's the way the line goes. That's the way the song ends.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I just wonder as a man... <laughs>
0: In his face. Yeah. Night after night at every concert when she sings all that. Just a
1: reminder of, you blew it, buddy. If you blow it again, I'm leaving you.
0: Quite the encouragement to stay
1: guarded. Though, Let's talk about Beyonce and her good-looking husband, Jay-Z. They, they have endured that infidelity so Mm -hmm. good good for them yeah it's awesome but i think it is probably a good accountability to be reminded of (laughs) on a regular basis you blew it and if you blow it again so wow i I can't imagine that being brought up over and over again in the public eye but there it is most of our times our infidelities or our shortcomings are kept secret and no one talks about it but this is definitely in the public eye so good for them to keep it on the topic of the subject matter there. So just a tip, in in general, fellas and ladies, don't be uh, unfaithful in your marriage, but especially don't do it if your partner is a international music star Is going to write an album about it and sing it every (laughs) night in concert. Just a good tip there. That's probably a good tip. Let's look at our imperfect normal family of the week. we got a great story today.
0: We have a sweet, sweet friend that shared, um, what do we call it? Just, Just our For Real Friday. Our For Real Friday that we wish to get going again um, wholeheartedly. But anyway, our friend had a really good one. Um, they had told their 12 year old son about where babies come from and all that good stuff. And he then went on a walk with his sister, who is seven. And he actually ended up telling her where babies come from. And the mom and dad realized that, you know, we told him not to talk about that with his friends at school. Good advice. You know, kids his age. But we failed to tell him to not tell his siblings. And so, bless the story her heart. Goes, th- I the, wonder, sw-
1: the seven-year-old daughter did ask. Said, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, where do babies come from to her 12-year-old big brother and he was a good big brother and told her.
0: <laughs> so she comes into the mom's room and says, Mom, Carter told me something weird yesterday. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Our kids are going to be okay. <laughs> it's all going to work out. Well, that's
1: teed up a conversation with a mom and a seven year old. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably a little earlier than she had planned for, but probably. she got to have that conversation as you go. Yeah. We always told our kids uh, regarding birds and bees stuff to use kind of the same rule they use with Santa Claus. You know, it's it, we kind of did Santa Claus when our kids were a little bitty, and when we finally told an older sibling, "Hey, don't tell your peers because <laughs> you don't know what their parents have told them," and then don't tell your siblings. Let's keep it kind of fun for them. You have to use that same language, I think. Yeah, it's a good idea. So, God bless our friend Beth as she parents her kids. You're going to make it, girl. You're going to be fine. We just we, we, you're like many of us who encounter these things. You're going to be fine.
0: Yeah. Probably won't even remember.
1: Well, let's get into our feature story talk about guardrails in your marriage. All right, Jen, I love this topic because it is something that comes up every time we talk to a couple who has seen their marriage slip or kind of fail or fall Mm -hmm. because they realize they they let it kind of be on a slippery slope and get away from them because they didn't have boundaries set for relationships and for the things and how they interact with other people and so they found themselves in a either an infidelity or, or just the marriage kind of stepping outside the boundaries in some ways that makes one spouse uncomfortable. So Mm -hmm. uh, we need to talk about this at length, I believe. Well,
0: and after years of teaching marriage prep, um, I think with all the social media stuff years ago, we had to add this to our marriage prep because we didn't have the ability to text people and, Uh, Facebook friend people Um, but then it just you know it arrived and we had to deal with it and the
1: opportunities for connections with other people is huge yeah so we're going to look at three kind of key buckets or three areas that we need to have some guardrails in our marriage to protect things and this is for couples that are newlyweds and couples that have been married for 40 years we all we all need these kind of three buckets of of uh, of parameters or three areas to deal with. And uh, first one is kind of just in interpersonal relationships at work and at church and in the neighborhood, just with, with your peers. That's kind of the first big bucket of how we create boundaries on those relationships to keep them from being a distraction in our marriage. Uh, second area is regarding, you know, technology, which is a huge thing. It's changed things dramatically. And then a third area is with our extended family, particularly our, our parents, and the in-laws and those who would have influence on in our marriage. So those three things can be intertwined in some ways. Uh, we'll talk about that just a little bit, but, but those are the three buckets we'll look at. So first, let's talk about peers and relationships and people at work and people at church and people you know. Why is it important for us to build those boundaries? And so, Jim, we we saw this even doing marriage prep. We started talking to couples about this as technology did change things and mm-hmm. how we interact with people.
0: Yeah, and one of the things is texting. Yeah. And I have coached more than a couple of women about, um, well, them coming to me and saying, you know, I started texting this guy at work. You know, it would, in general, it was questions about, you know, um, Our work, but then it eventually became to where they were talking about intimate things to one another via text message that you probably wouldn't even say directly to his or her face. But it's given people the opportunity to um, emotionally connect via texting and emailing. And um, it's a very slippery slope and it doesn't head anywhere, you know, good.
1: I saw an article probably four or five years ago by a marriage counselor person that coaches marriages and she said that the pattern I'm seeing now in this modern age is most extramarital affairs start via text. That is the starting place. I believe it. I've seen it. And we even saw a couple that was dealing with this and and maybe it was a a girl who had a guy at work that was, she was guarded and she was very careful but he was kind of throwing some things out there Mm -hmm. and the dude, her husband said, you know what? Guys will do that. They'll be a little flirtatious. Yeah just to kind of sink the hook and, and see how you respond. And if you respond um, in a way that you if, you if a girl calls him on it, he'll go, Oh, I was just kidding. And he will back yeah, off. But but if it, yeah. he sees a way in, it's almost like he goes deeper and deeper. And we've seen that happen in couples before. We yeah. So we need to figure out ways to kind of build some boundaries. And so we did a blog post years ago and we teach this regularly and it's, it's great principles. It's four good rules for guarding your marriage in the workplace and with your peers. Four rules of thumb for interacting with the opposite sex, and it's funny as I created these four rules and kind of saw them evolving and t- over time, I realized they were named after four key people in my life, and they uh, were inspired by these people. I learned them from these people, and I think they're great principles. And so, as we talk about these four uh, men who taught me these principles. Uh, consider maybe each one and how you're doing in each one and maybe have a great conversation with your spouse. The, the first good rule for kind of guarding your marriage in the workplace and with peers is the Billy rule. And it's funny. Each of these four things are named after four men. They all begin with letter B, which is wonderfully coincidental. But the first one, Billy is Billy Graham and Jen, you know, Billy Graham died a year ago, two years ago. Great classic America's pastor. We all love Billy Graham, but he had a rule in all of his years of ministry where he would not be alone with a woman. Mm-hmm. in an office or in a car or in a meeting. He just made a habit of not being alone with a woman, which seems kind of extreme in this day and age. But I think it's vitally important because it creates no room for mistakes or no room for uh, even a false accusation. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of creates that boundary that's rigid and strict that, that he says, I'm just not going to do this. And we read this personally, Jen, more than probably 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I was planning a mission trip for our teenagers at our church. And I was going to fly to another state in the city for a couple of days and do some advance work on this trip. And there was a wonderful friend of ours, a wonderful gal who was a part of our ministry who helped coordinate that ministry. And she said, Hey, I'm going to be in that same city for a work project. Let's you and I spend an afternoon running around doing some of the grunt work for this. And I told our friend, I said, you know what, that would be a great practical solution, but we're not going to do that. Uh, it's just not how we're going to roll. I just don't do that. I, I guard my marriage carefully enough that I don't cruise around a f- foreign city in a different state with someone who's not my wife just because it's just not a smart thing to do. And that was a boundary I put up and what I told her. And she was a little bit put back by it, but I just told her, you know, I'm sorry if your feelings are hurt. It, your feelings in this moment don't matter to me. My, my marriage matters enough to me that I'll do some erratic uh, or, or uh, uh, do some... Drastic. Uh, extreme and da- drastic mm-hmm. things to guard it. Mm-hmm. And if you know, as you make extreme things like that, you're gonna hurt people's feelings at times.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that you did though, and that's one way I know God has protected and guarded our marriage is with that rule.
1: Yeah. We even do counseling sometimes with couples and I'll tell them to the for an end, hey. I, I do couples counseling. If, if lady you want to meet alone, I'm not your guy, you know, call me for five minutes and give me some updates. We'll talk on the phone for a few minutes, but I'm even guarded with that. Not being very open to that much time alone. I just don't do that. And that's yeah. extreme. Some folks think that's silly, but I think it's worth doing. Yep. A second rule is the Bart rule. And this is after my friend, Bart McDonald. And you know, I served on staff at a church in Texas for a number of years. And Bart was great, but Bart came from a business background and Bart, as a part of his job, had to go and meet with clients. And many times his clients were women. And it required mm-hmm. going to a meal with a woman or sitting in an office for an hour or two with a woman. That was kind of a part of his job. He couldn't obey the Billy rule. And so he said, I recognize that and I still want to do my best. And so the BART rule, if you can't obey the Billy rule because of your work, the BART rule was he and his wife, who also had the same kind of job, they made it a point with all their clients, all the people they met with, they would sit for the first 15, 20 minutes of small talk and banter before they talk business, Bart would talk about his marriage. He'd talk about his wife. He'd talk about his family and how awesome and incredible and and beautiful and great his wife and his marriage was just to let that person know, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm doing awesome. Don't mess with me. Yeah, Which I think was a great way to respond to that if you had to do that. Uh, A third rule that you can uh, apply or put to work is what I call the Bryant rule. And this comes from my uh, pastor for nine years, Bryant Wright. Uh, a great man that I have a lot of respect for, when he teaches couples, he he gives this rule. Uh, He says that if you're ever interacting at work or at church or the neighborhood or wherever, if you're ever interacting with a member of the opposite sex in such a way that if your spouse was watching you do it, you'd be the least bit uncomfortable, then you've already crossed the line. So if the t- things you're talking about, the things you're laughing about, or if you're touching, you know, hugging or whatever your whatever interaction you're having with this person, if your spouse saw you doing it, if they'd be uncomfortable or you'd be the least bit embarrassed, then you've already gone too far. Mm-hmm. I love that because it creates an internal filter to always be wondering, what if my wife saw me doing this right now? Would this be okay? Mm-hmm. And it causes you to kind of think about that and consider that and, and back off from things and put some pretty radical boundaries on your interaction with the opposite sex.
0: I've had, you know, in our ministry had, you know, men come up to me and start talking to me about some issue in their marriage. And I just quickly cut them off as soon as I can and say, listen, I'm very sorry to hear that y'all are struggling, but let me get Barrett to visit with you. So if Barrett's in the same room, I'll be motioning him over. Or if Barrett's not around, I'll be giving him Barrett's phone number so that he can call Barrett. But you know, you don't ever need to be in that situation where I'm coaching a
1: guy and it goes too deep to yep. whatever. That's that's the most situations where that just feels weird and feels awkward and along those lines. And so that requires you to walk with God and be sensitive to his leadership and have an internal filter going, um, am I doing too much? Am I mm-hmm. saying too much? Am I getting too close? Am I interacting with it? it's too friendly or familiar? Yeah. And again, we have good friends, good couples we've done life with that that again we can hang out with and we can talk with and, and be familiar. But, but if, if my spouse is uncomfortable with that, then then that's a red flag. You want to be aware of that. Uh, fourth rule. One final rule is the Barrett rule. And this is one that uh, named after me, and I needed a fourth B. <laughs> and, and so Barrett worked perfectly. And this rule, we kind of evolved in our marriage over time as technology has come into play. Right. And it goes back to the texting thing. And it came really out of my boneheaded actions. Not horrible actions or mean-spirited actions, but just irresponsible or... Um, not being very deliberate, and so again, I, I texting back and forth. I'm I'm a relatively witty guy and a funny guy. Jen, you've heard all my jokes, so I'm not funny <laughs> to you anymore. But I can sometimes make you laugh. Yeah. But but my mind's always thinking of funny one liners and funny you know gifs to throw out there. Gif, gif, I, gif, I don't gif, gif, whatever. Um, I still want to know the answer. To but, that one. but 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 I, I there was a time back several years ago we were doing an event at a marriage a marriage family family and parenting conference. And uh, just someone had a book table next to us. I was, you know, trying to communicate what was going on there because I was off at a break breakout and we just got friendly and made some funny jokes back to one another on a text message. And it's just a person I met the day before. It wasn't like we someone I knew very well. Right. But Jen, you read those texts and you thought, You're being too familiar, too lighthearted, too you were just not comfortable with that text message track was going. yeah. And I heard that at first I was like, well, it's just, I, I got defensive like I tend to do, honey. <sighs> but then I recognized that was a grunt there, but that's true. I didn't get defensive. Guys do that. Mm-hmm. But, but as we talk about it more, I realized if it makes you uncomfortable, then, then I should be uncomfortable with it. And that's a great filter regarding boundaries. If your spouse says, hey, I'm not comfortable with what you've done or how you're talking or how you're acting, your spouse gets to be the, the gatekeeper or the mm-hmm. the referee or the, the monitor of that. So if you think you're okay with it, but your spouse is uncomfortable with it, then you need to listen to your spouse. They mm-hmm. get the, the the right to make that call. So Jen, you can commu- communicate that to me. I finally heard you and recognize and knowledge that. And so I've tried really hard to, to be, I try to stay all business just yeah. because it's important to make you comfortable with how familiar I'm becoming other people. And so, like you said, technology has really created a whole new dimension of this We've got to be considerate of those things for sure.
0: And it is about how I feel about whatever I see, maybe on a text or something, but you're also guarding someone else's marriage. Exactly, It's not just about how I feel, but that you're guarding.
1: Very good point. Outstanding. Well, those are great ways for those four good rules, the Billy rule, the Bart rule, the Bryant rule, and the Barrett rule. Talk about those uh, with your spouse. Beyond just the interactions is the technology piece. We've kind of touched on that a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about technology, Jen, about how... Technology can, at times, create um, a, a, a gateway for your marriage to be compromised. Mm-hmm. It, it can show up in a big way. And we've seen that with people. I think we're talking about here. It, it, technology has a, a part in that. I heard uh, Rob Reno, our friend, say that none of us is holy enough for a private online life. Yeah. So we've made a kind of a rule of thumb with iPhones and, and most of our world being connected to our iPhones or our, our smartphones in some way that, that my smartphone is your smartphone and your smartphone is my smartphone right. that, that we have complete
0: access to access each other's. To. Yeah. And we've
1: heard of couples in crisis going through a thing where they're fighting over how I wanted to look at his phone. He said, no, you can't look at my phone.
0: Either that or they e- have erased every conversation between yes. he and a woman, yes. you know, like, so we've just had to be so open and transparent and, you know, we teach our kids that, if they have a cell phone and we're paying for it, hey, your mom and dad are going to be kind of monitor- monitoring you. But when we teach that, I say, and tell your kids, you should have accountability in your te- with your technology for the rest of your life. Maybe it's your parents right now, but later on it's your spouse or yeah. it's a... Um, A really good friend that knows you're struggling with pornography, and so he is able to look at your history or whatever, someone holding you accountable, but it's really scary these days to get off into, I don't know, just kind of like a cyber relationship. I mean, I know a lot of women who have had emotional connection with people they've never even shook, shaken hands with or seen in person, but... Somehow they, they link up, and that does not need to be going on, and there needs to be accountability in every kind of technology.
1: So we make it a rule in our family that regarding social media. We follow each other, obviously, but also you know my passwords. I know your passwords. Right. We we share a lot of passwords, so it's kind of a, a, a common thing where you can look at my stuff, I can look at your stuff at any time. And that, that's just a part of being married. And if yeah. someone doesn't like that, I feel like that it's an invasion of your privacy, From your spouse.
0: Then you've got a problem. You've got
1: a real problem. I think, why are you married? Being married means you're in life Mm -hmm. together. You're one. You're sharing things. And certainly technology is a part of that. So transparency and technology creates a great boundary there uh, for each other and, and with your kids' accountability, accountability with one another, certainly. So if infidelities do start many times through text messages and technology, we need to have openness and awareness there at all times for our technology. Let's look at the third area then. we got the at workplace and relationships. We've got the uh, technology, which, of course, we've touched on a lot. But then there's a third area of boundaries and guardrails that we need to have in our marriages, and that's with extended family. With with As we get married and, and we start this new relationship together, we move through the years of marriage, there's still this opportunity for outside influences, uh, parents, siblings, extended family to kind of jack with our marriage. Mm-hmm. Jen, what— uh, Well,
0: we've just seen this from— Gosh, from the very beginning of time of us being married and watching it in our friends' lives, just moms who have way too much power and control over their sons. Or their daughters.
1: I mean, there's a couple of those. The sons
0: don't stand up to the mom to kind of say, hey, you know, we're married now and we'll ask you for your opinion if we want it. But honestly, parents shouldn't be giving their opinion on anything unless asked with their married kids. And we're, you know, now we have married kids. And so we really want to be the kind of in-laws that are not giving our opinion when it's not solicited and have kids that want to be around us. (laughs) You know, and that's
1: work. I mean, it's hard to make that transition when you see your kids, Yeah, they're still young, they're married. And is it in-laws? You're kind of going, we have advice to give, but you got to kind of bite your tongue. But if you're a married couple and you're still seeing mom and dad influence and maybe it's your newlywed and your early start stages of this. Mm-hmm. That's only there, but we've seen couples married 20 years still mom and Dealing dad have as much family. influence. Yeah. As, yeah, exactly. So so let's go back to scripture. You know, there's this principle called leave and cleave. You see that in, mm-hmm. in Genesis. You know, this is why man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his spouse. There's this cutting of the cord, if you will, and, and the, the marriage becomes a primary relationship. That's the model for biblical marriage. And so in your marriage, if your parents have as much or more influence as your spouse does or or your parents' influence is making your spouse feel insecure or, you know, as, as you know, second on your list, then there's a problem there and and you got to reel that in or adjust that accordingly. That's a boundary you need to have uh, set up in your relationship to, to go forward. So in a young marriage, if a wife feels like her husband is listening to his mama as much as she's listening to his new wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's allowed to say that to him and that husband needs to listen. And if, there needs to be some parameters and some boundaries put up with that mom or that dad. It's that son's job to go to his parents. Uh, a, a woman shouldn't have to go to her in-laws and say, back off. It Buy should be it. you talking to your parents, yeah. your wife talking to her parents, whatever. That should be kind of the guiding rule of, of kind of reeling that in and setting the boundaries up. And if your parents get their feelings hurt, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt mama's feelings. Deal with it. If your mama's feelings are going to hurt, it's okay. That's going to happen sometimes. And, you know, it, if... You know, yeah. I'm I'm gonna grow old with you, Jen. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna spend my life with you. I've I've left, and I've cleft, leaved and cleaved to you. Um, if my parents or your parents get their feelings hurtled somehow, uh, I'm not gonna lose that much sleep over because again, you're the one that we we've got to figure out how to do this together as a right. spouse. And so that's again just healthy boundaries, healthy guidelines there to set in our marriages. So with all these things, just as a couple, maybe it's a great conversation to have about how are we doing on boundaries with our relationships, with our technology, and even with our in-laws and our parents. Are we setting good boundaries? And do we need to set some new ways of doing that and and, uh, build guardrails that are worthwhile? Which leads us to a very relevant and applicable and apropos question of the week. So I was teaching this very stuff just a few weeks ago to some uh, married couples that were in their thirties and forties, and somebody asked, you know, is if a marriage is healthy, do we really need boundaries? Are these boundaries that critical? They seem kind of over the top for a healthy marriage.
0: Yeah, and I it was can a great question. I think it was yeah. a super question.
1: Yeah, because my thought was, you know, if things are awesome and your marriage is strong as all get out, maybe you don't have to be as deliberate about these things at that time. However, all of our marriages will go through difficult seasons. Mm -hmm. This is how I answered the question. All of our marriages will go through challenging times. That may not be even within the marriage. It's something outside your marriage, pressure or illness or stress or whatever. Something with, with the kids, your marriage would go through a difficult season. And if the boundaries aren't established way back as disciplines and normal in our lives, it's too late to build them then. Right.
0: Right. It's almost
1: like you build the boundaries, Mm
0: -hmm. even though there are no problems
1: for when maybe a problem shows up, the habits are already there and you're safe and secure where couples get into trouble is they don't
0: lose sight. They coast. Yeah.
1: And and then they go through a rough time and then suddenly there's a slippery slope. And every couple I've talked to, I mean, I to my friend, uh, back in Texas, great man who has got a great marriage, but they went through a season. He and his wife went through a season where there was an infidelity and he walked away from his marriage for a season. And he describes it as the slippery slope where if it's from zero to 10 and zero is a great marriage and 10 is, a sexual infidelity. He describes once he got to two and three and four, there was such momentum moving towards seven, eight, nine, 10 that he could not stop.
0: Mm-hmm. He knew
1: it was wrong. He knew where it was headed, but he kept on going because the boundaries were not there. And so again, uh, you build the boundaries now, even if things are awesome. So when things are not so awesome, you're, you're secure and you're safe and you can endure a time stronger, or better out the other side. So again, build the boundaries now, even if things are great in your marriage. Let's talk about our featured resource of our week today. There's a couple of good books out there you can find about margin and things like that that are good resources for this subject. But in lieu of a good resource for this topic, Jen, let's just talk briefly about our favorite resource in the whole planet, (laughs) our uh, great marriage getaway that happens in October.
0: Yes, we um, really, truly didn't set out to do a big marriage um, retreat. That's not on our bucket list or anything, but we were doing marriage retreats for LifeWay, and LifeWay has ended their marriage retreats after doing them for For, like...
1: 20 or 30 years. Close to 30 years, if not more. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and they did several in several states. So anyway, it kind of came to an end. They had no um, marriage retreat for one year, and then we as a team of people who had been teaching those Lifeway Marriage Retreats just said, why don't we get together and just do our own? And so last year was our first one, and it was absolutely amazing. this is held in Ridgecrest Conference Center,
1: which is right outside of Asheville, so a beautiful place, in the fall We had some of our favorite people in the world come lead it with us, the Mm -hmm. Hunters and the Wilsons and some other couples that we love. They're just phenomenal. Our worship team from Johnson Ferry, Bobby Smith, the guys. It was just fantastic and some great entertainment and comedy and activities. And it truly was a great weekend this last fall.
0: So much fun, and I don't think anybody would have let us out of that retreat center if we had not promised we would yeah, come my, back my and joke, do it again this after year. After the end
1: of the first weekend, the Sunday afternoon, before we dismissed, I got up on stage and said, "Yeah, we're not going to do one again." And like everyone moaned and groaned, and I feel like they would have slashed my tires in the parking lot <laughs> somehow. But anyway, we announced, "Yeah, we're going to do it again." So we're committed to the next. Two falls at least, but I think it's going to be an annual event for us. It's just so good. So, October 11, 12, 13 of 2019, Jim, we've got room for about 250 couples, and now we're six months out. We've already got like 140 couples signed up. I mean, we've mm-hmm. got, we're more than halfway being filled up, and some of the best rooming options, there's some great rooms there and there's some okay rooms there at Ridgecrest Mm -hmm. I think the best ones are already filling up so couples need to move quick the other ones are okay too but if you want to stay at the nice place you got to get signed up quick but you can go to greatmarriagegetaway.com for all the details there's a it's kind of a two part sign up process Jen you got to you got to sign up for our events you got to pay $189 for a couple to come to the event and then you have to go to Ridgecrest site and book your room and board separate. All, all the meals are there except for a lunch on your own on Saturday for a date afternoon Again, it's our favorite thing in the world now. and We just can't wait for that day to come. We want our friends to be there with us. So if you're anywhere near uh, Asheville, North Carolina, within a four or five hour drive, it's worth making the drive. We had some friends last year come get on an airplane and fly out and join us. So Mm -hmm. it's worth even doing that. So join us for the Great Marriage Getaway. Go to greatmarriagegetaway.com for all the details and we'd love to see you there. Yes. Before we go, hon, let's just wrap up. I just want to encourage couples to have a conversation. This is an important topic. It's not a very provocative and sexy and exciting topic, but it's important mm-hmm. and vital to the strength of our marriages. So I think this is one of our podcasts for sure that couples can listen to it maybe individually or in bed together and then just sit down over coffee and say, how are we doing? Let's uh, let's maybe shore up some guardrails yeah. in our marriage, some boundaries to make sure our marriage is secure. So if anything we've ever done before, God, this is a great conversation starter.
0: It's been um, very humbling to set encouraging. Yeah, to set guardrails and have these um, the way that we kind of pattern the way that we guard our marriage. Because now our kids are married, and you know they have guardrails, and they have watched us have guardrails. So it's not just about our generation and our marriage; it's it's what our kids are watching and what they're going to duplicate in their lives. So. It's really, really important.
1: Little eyes are watching. So so have a conversation with your spouse. Create some good guardrails. Even tell your young, your teenage kids, here's what we're doing and why we do it. To be making that example as they start building a plan for their marriage down the road. And let's leave a le- great legacy to our kids down the road. That's all we got for today. I'm Barrett. And Jen. And we're so glad you joined us for the Imperfect Normal Families Only podcast. As always, share us on social media. Subscribe. Let folks know how awesome. Give us ratings on iTunes and just help us to build this platform. We love it when you join us, but we love it when you share us as well. We'll see you next time on the Imperfect Normal Families Only podcast.